and we are live. Seth, for the first time in 2024, how we doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I doesn't matter what I think. Puck is apparently raring to go too. You can hear him in the background. Yeah. <laughs> excited to excited to get the party started. Also, you know what I appreciate about Riverside? Riverside gives you a very official five second countdown. None of this three second BS. None of the three second nonsense. They give you a very it's long nice to have an extra two seconds to gather nice to have your an thoughts. Extra two, totally, you want to gather yourself. You want to make sure you've set your intention for the podcast. Uh, it's nice. I like it. Totally. Yeah. All right. What do we? I feel like there's a lot to catch up on. There's two months of content that we just we totally missed. We haven't talked about Rabbit. We haven't talked about mm. uh, the Vision Pro. I don't think we've talked about the Vision Pro privately, obviously, but we. I don't think we're gonna hit it that much here. But there's a lot. There's been a lot that's dropped since we last chatted. There has been. There has been. What is uh, what's about? Mo- oh, go for it. You want to talk about oh. the Vision Pro? <laughs> I think what do you we want both to talk need about? to share our our very original, obviously twenty minute thoughts about the Vision Pro each. From our yep. fifteen minute demo only, none of us own the Vision Pro, obviously. But yeah, let me set a five second countdown timer for you, and then you can start your twenty minutes. <laughs> I actually would maybe we'll talk about the Vision Pro at, at some point, and I do have some thoughts around that area of AR. But I'm actually more interested to hear your thoughts about Rabbit and. Honestly, I'd like to know more about what the rabbit is. And this is coming from someone who's listened to an interview with the podcast, uh, listened to an interview of the founder on a podcast of, of rabbit. And I kind of understand what it is, but I don't fully understand what, like, I don't fully understand it. So, or like yeah. the value. And I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are, if this is a valuable thing, what it could turn into, how is it differentiated from an app on a phone type thing? Um, yeah, is it a single purpose device. We've talked about single purpose devices in the past, actually. So uh, SPDs for comes, those listening at home. Yeah, maybe it comes full circle to this was probably like episode five or six or ten, and yeah, that, from a while ago. But yeah, I'll I'll tee it off there. Sure. Okay. So I think that there are two interesting things to talk about. There's one which is the device that they came out with. So it's a consumer device that Rabbit came out with, uh, and then there's large action models that are driving the device, and so. Starting with large action models, which I think are like actually the really mm-hmm. interesting thing that they came out with. Um, large language models are like a, it's kind of like what GPT or any of these models that you interact with are Gemini, Hugging uh, Face, like any of these are really just ways that they can take text that you prompt in and then give you a response on the back end. And so it's a way mm-hmm. of like giving you some, uh, a response based on text. And Large action models are are interesting because they basically say like the thing that you don't want in responses or the thing you want in responses is not necessarily like text. It's not necessarily like, hey, here's your answer. It sometimes it should mm-hmm. be an action. And um, how can we make it be an action when all these different apps are different? Like, let's say you want to book a flight. We can tell you how to, you know, if they if Expedia gives us access to their API, we can maybe like give you an answer that way. But there's not really an easy way through a, a large language model like ChatGPT to be able to actually take the step of booking a flight. So large action models, what they do is they basically have like read all the pages of the internet and a bunch of mobile apps, and they kind of know what the components should do. They know like, mm-hmm. okay, this this button should like trigger this action. And so that's mm-hmm. how I book an Uber. This is how I book a flight. This is how I um, mm-hmm. download my uh, my health insurance plan card and then get like the information from it. So it's a mm-hmm. way that they've like 
they've built. So instead of, uh, so it's like a thing that a model that they've built that can take any action given any interface. It doesn't need to like know what your app does. It can figure out how to navigate it and take some action by just mm. logging into your account and then doing it for you. If you want to book an Uber, you can say, Hey, book me an Uber. And it'll say, great. I'm going to like basically simulate what's happening on the back end to, um, go into your Uber app, log in, uh, say, I want to go to this location, click call Uber X, figure out what my location is right now. And it'll be here in two minutes. And here's the information. And um, that to me is really powerful. I think that's really, really cool. Is this idea that like, you kind of don't really need to know how an app works. Uh, you can just kind of figure it out because at the end of the day, all these applications are just like ways to interact with databases and make backend calls. And so if you can figure out what buttons to push to be able to do that, cool. That I think that's really, really incredible technology. That's really profound. The the second part of this is the fact that they built a purpose or a like single purpose device to be able to do this. So instead of just being able to have some software that lives on my iPhone that I can call to be able to do all this stuff for me, instead they built a new device that obviates your phone. I guess you need a phone because you need some way to be able to like have these apps somewhere and have login information for all this stuff. But through this single purpose device, I can say, hey, rabbit, call me an Uber to my current location and it will do everything for you. You don't need to pull up your phone for it. You just like have this device, you push this walkie talkie button and you just tell it what you want and it does it for you. Um, it's all positive. What there, is it connecting are... to? Is it, is it connecting into your phone? Is it, does it have your an Android apps on your, so it's able to control you still your need phone, a phone basically. Effectively. Yeah. That's you can tell it what apps to have access to and you can, you log into those apps, uh, through, there's some interface where you log into those apps so that rabbit has access to your accounts. Hmm. Um, but yes, it, and I think you do need some iPhone that appears or a phone that appears with, I'm pretty sure. That's interesting. So I didn't even know yeah. that was a possibility of something that you could do on like an iPhone, but that's, that's pretty cool. I didn't know either. That's why I'm, I wonder if you do need, I wonder if it connects to your phone or iPhone. I wonder, I think you probably just end up logging into your accounts. <laughs> And it I might don't know be its how own it... phone. It might be its own like device that you down you. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, it could be. But anyway, I'll pause there. Um, any okay. questions on those two, or like, do you, where do you want to go deeper? What's calling you? This idea of large action models is really profound, as as yeah. you said. It almost, in a way, is. It's like if you think about custom GPTs which allow you to have custom actions, which means that like the GPT can call different APIs and take action. So like your example of like Expedia booking a flight, like they would do it by calling the Expedia API essentially. And it would be through Expedia's channels. It sounds like this is almost going the other way where it doesn't have to call any APIs. The API is just actually going onto Expedia and, and taking the action, which Brother, is, this is an API. really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, and and much more like generalized it seems like and and much more of a almost like a threat to the knowledge worker in a way of of like if it can actually interface with with things and and do that so very interesting and also interesting to see like where that where that will go in the future right like will interfaces just be built for the ais to be interacting with them as opposed to humans interacting with them where is that going to go it's all very interesting 
Yeah, it's a really good question. And uh, I'm going to speak as I'm taking a blanket away from Puck that he's eating. But um, it's a really good question because I think there's one implication here, which is, okay, well, if this thing is really just like an API for a general API that can allow you to take any action from any app, does the UI in the first place matter at all? Like, is, does there need to be any way for humans to like neatly navigate any application? Or does it really just matter that there's some way to interact with the backend for these companies so that like Rabbit or whatever large action model can just make API calls to your backend and take those steps for you? I think the, so like there's one question, which is like our front ends, our UIs, is that just going to go away? Is there going to be like no need mm-hmm. for UIs? I actually, I don't know. I'm like, I think that it is. I think that there, like, there is a whole field of uh, UX designers or UX design and product designers who I think do a really good job of making it really easy for humans to be able to navigate applications in a very plain and simple way. And so I think that, like, there is a world in my mind where large action models are cool if you want to be able to, to thread things together between different apps. If you want to say, like, hey, um, mm-hmm. check into my hotel room and call me an Uber. And um, make sure that when I get to my hotel, when this Uber gets to my hotel, that you call a second Uber 30 minutes later to go to the mm-hmm. restaurant that I'm going to. If you want to like chain things together, I think that that could be one way where I could see large action models being really helpful. But I, I think that if I'm just trying to like navigate Uber and I just want to like go in and, and call an Uber, it's honestly like they've done a really good job of making it very easy for me to go and take that action. So I, I wonder like, how helpful these things are going to be beyond wanting to thread different applications together that are not connected because they're not built by the same people. What about like B2B workflow automation where you want to automate different processes and like, let's say I'm trying to think of a good example, but like, let's say you work at an e-commerce company and, and like you have products and you need to like do certain things to them, upload different, them in different places and it would be like if it if it actually does end up working it's essentially zapier but it's like a language-based zapier that also is able to do anything essentially and um like zapier is also kind of going in this direction a little bit because you can now create zaps by like essentially typing out what you want to happen and then it does its best to create like those zaps but it, it kind of makes it so you don't need Zapier anymore. It kind of disrupts Zapier if it's like an open source model that everyone has on their computer that can do this. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that maybe like when I was speaking, I was underestimating the extent to which there are these like multi-threaded chained actions that people sure. want to take where it's like, okay, when this event happens over here, I want this to trigger a second action in this different system, whether it's like I get a sale, I want to add that to a Google Doc and like send a Slack message saying that there was a sale. Um, I think for any of these things that are like Zapier type things or like B2B things, for sure, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, For consumer products, though, I feel like, I don't know, at least like generally, I don't find that I'm I'm like, wow, it just took me so long to do that. Or it would have been much faster if I could only like speak and then have the Uber called for me. I think that that's a pretty, yes. that doesn't seem like a huge, obvious need to me outside of the fact that it is very cool that large action models are now like pretty good at being able to take these actions and navigate through mm-hmm. any app. Um, it's almost like 
Selenium, like web driving, but without needing to know how the, what the underlying HTML is. Yes, I I agree, and I'm I'm completely agree on your uh, of your take that on the consumer side, like I think it's a little bit overblown that these AI models are are going to be um, as used, or like there's for example, there's some use cases like I mean, you we both use it of like you know booking a flight. I don't really feel like that's something I even want. Like, do you want to be like, AI, just like book me a flight? Like, I think there's certain things that are like, maybe if it's over a certain amount of money or whatever, like things that impact impact your life a little bit more, you're probably going to want to do that yourself and make that decision yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much we're going to want to, I mean, maybe, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe the AI is able to be so trusted that it really knows what you want and really uh, knows all the options. Maybe at some point you get to that, but uh, I don't know. I think there's also parts of like humans that like to like make decisions and and look at what's happening, you know, and, and make choices. Yeah, I think we're there's like a, a kind of like secondary thing I've been thinking about in the background here, which is there are a lot of tasks where. Um, it just takes activation energy to start doing them. They're not hard on their own. And especially for a lot of work tasks, it's like, uh, like I could do this and I will do it, but it's just like taking me a little bit to get started on this and therefore I'm not going to. If there was a system or an agent, whatever you want to call it, like a, whether it's, I don't know, like a GPT agent or this, where it could just kind of figure out like, okay, I can take a first stab at something or I can get you close enough and you're buying a flight example to say like, hey, Seth, I noticed that you're going here in a couple of weeks from your text messages. Um, here I found these flights, um, you can click this link to like, go see more information about them. But generally we found flights between like 250 and $350. Mm -hmm. I think that that's pretty cool. If you could just like click a button and then continue as opposed to like, okay, I got to start from scratch. I got to open up Google. I got to enter my flight info. It, it just like takes activation energy to do things. And, mm -hmm. um, like I even, I don't know. It's just like a thing I've been thinking about a lot is how do I, uh, move past some of this like uh i don't know what the right word is lethargy it's not necessarily like laziness it's just like it takes energy to get going on th certain things and it and once i get going i'm fine but i think it would be helpful to have something that could just like start for me and then allow me to continue from there as opposed to like okay i gotta with a blank sheet of paper sit from scratch and figure this whole thing yeah. out right which is i think like We've talked about this for a long time about how AI, the value in it is like writing the first draft for you, like literally writing yeah. the first draft for you if you have to write something type of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So are you getting a rabbit? Did you order no, one? I, I think that the device itself, I think is, to me, like kudos to them. I'm not going to shit on people who, uh, who build new novel things. I don't think the value is in the device. I think the value is in the large action model. And I think it should be on my iPhone. It should be an app that I have yeah. that allows me to interact with things that are on my iPhone. I don't need a secondary device for mm -hmm. this. That's not valuable to me. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that like, so, I don't know, not original thought, but like even just the business model of it where they're, they're charging like $200 one time for this device. I don't know why this is, I can't imagine the margins are very good. I don't know how they're building their business on this. I would think that it yeah. make much more sense to say, we're just a software company. We are just building the best large action model that we possibly can. Maybe they needed the device as like a marketing ploy to get off the ground. And they built it with one thing that they did that was smart is they partnered with a company called Teenage Engineering, which I think we've talked about on the pod before. Of uh, This is like a, have you seen this company? 
No, they make like it sounds like a kind of Swedish familiar, company but... that makes um, mostly like music building tools. Um, but they have like a cult oh, wow. amongst oh, engineers this specifically. Is the, uh, the company that built it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and so they partnered with this company, which I think was smart. And sorry, again, I have to spray this. So I think that that was cool. And maybe as a marketing employee, they got a bunch of people talking about them. So maybe they needed to be, maybe they just did it as a marketing thing. But I don't think that the device is going to take off. I think that large action models underneath it, or the idea of them building a large action model, that to me is insane. Just so cool. Just so, so cool. Yeah. 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 I I definitely agree. Now on the, going off what you said about having this device on your iPhone, I'm going to talk a little bit about an experience that I had last week running an AI model on my MacBook. Have you done this mm. yet, Matt? No, I haven't. Tell me more. Okay. You ran, so, what do you run? You ran Llama or what do you run? I ran Llama. I, I highly recommend doing it because it's just a, like, honestly, it's the kind of experience that like, can, like conceptually it seemed like, oh, okay, that's like kind of cool. But once you do it and once you're actually running a model on your computer where where you normally would have to like go to like open ai and connect to like a server it it it's really a very cool unlock i think for for my my brain just to be like wow that that is something that uh is kind of amazing and it's also kind of amazing cuz you you know you hear about all of you know, this chip shortages and obviously they need a lot, they need chips both for like running the models, but also training them and, and things like that, which is, which is definitely important, but to be able to run a model on my, on my MacBook that I already own, that is uh, like pretty much as good as GPT three right now in the future, it'll probably be as good as GPT four. Like maybe it's always a little bit less powerful than like the model that you can run on like the most powerful chips, but also our computers are going to keep getting more powerful as well. And it's just very cool. And I could imagine a future where maybe like applications are just using the power of your computer to, to run inferences. Like you don't have to pay open AI uh, to, to run, um, you know, AI generations, things like that. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. there's a future where like your computers have different specialized chips on them that are like meant for uh, different use cases. I know that Apple is planning to like talk about their AI strategy this year, so I'm sure we'll have a lot more information on it soon. I'm also I'm fairly optimistic Apple is going to come out and and impress a lot of people with their strategy because they do. I mean, they make their own chips. I think they have a lot of power in the in like the value chain here um, of, mm -hmm. of AI. So I'm super curious of what they're going to do. Maybe I'm sure you have thoughts about their strategy as well, but. Anyway, that's like my, just my first thoughts of around that topic. Yeah. Can you, okay. I, I'm clearly three steps behind you. Can you explain to me why running the equivalent of GPT-3 on your computer locally is better than running GPT-4 in, in the cloud? Like, why would you ever want to do? Well, one, you don't have to, one, it's free, right? It's already okay. paid for. Um, yeah. I think that's the, it's, it's free. It's already paid for. And GPT-3 and a half is free. I, I'm like standing in for but it, the well, dumbest it's, person it's listening not, here. But it's not, but it's not free actually. Like there's a cost to it basically. Um, and also GPT-3 
is free if you want to chat with it on your computer. But if you want to build an app that hooks into it, you're still paying for it. Like the price is relatively low, um, oh. but, but you're still paying for it, right? Um, so like there's a price every time you run a model that's not on your own computer. Like either you or a company is paying for that uh, yeah. generation, essentially. Okay. So I being see. able to do do that on your own device is kind of amazing. Like it's it like takes away. I don't. It's just like it's like a complete uh, almost like uh, it's just not something people are really thinking about right now. Because I think everyone's thinking about how like every all of these companies that are you know you're paying to generate the models are making money forever. But in reality, uh, the future might be more on device where there isn't that like payment every time you need a generation. Yeah. Okay. So I, I kind of see where you're going here. I, I guess like I was thinking that for you, the aha moment was like, wow, look at this amazing like output I got from this model locally. It kind of sounds like you're seeing forward to a world where like, instead of needing to build, I'm trying to think of an example for you, like uh, you're, I don't know, like something for no code and be ah, whatever. Like, I guess if anyone wanted to build an application and they wanted to be able to take advantage of one of these models or have the models plug into it, Instead of needing to make a request to the server, to OpenAI server, every single time you want to do that, which re require you to pay OpenAI, you could extend, instead have people basically like bring your own uh, model. And so you could say like, okay, this thing is going to be powered by models, but like we're not paying to have the model as part of our app. You on your phone, because your phone or your computer is capable of running that model, are able to bring your own model that's going to plug into my application and therefore you will have this AI powered thing that just like connects to my application. Is that kind of where you're going with this? I think so. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, guess, I just like, think there's something very, there's something really interesting about this idea that these models that uh, everyone's, like everyone is running off their computer right now can also be run on their computer. Like there's just something yeah. very interesting about that, I think. Also, to be fair, uh, you and I have, like the most powerful MacBooks, not the most, <laughs> but one of the most powerful MacBooks. Yeah. And most people are not able to like, don't have the same power that we have. But in five years, the, the, the cheapest MacBook is going to have the same things that we have right now in ours. And then, you know, the, the more powerful ones are going to be even more powerful. So yeah, I don't know. I, I just, maybe there's not a lot more to go right now on this, but I just think there's something really interesting about this idea that uh, the, a lot of these models can just be run on, on your device. The other thing is that these large language models like GPT-4 uh, or, or even whatever's after GPT-4, they're like, it's like driving a, like a Ferrari, right? It's driving a Ferrari, but you might really only need a Honda to, to actually do the task that you want to do in terms of horsepower. It's like sh shoving so, it's like bringing so much horsepower uh, to, to, the the task that you need and mm -hmm. i think the future in a lot of cases is going to be running smaller models that are just fine-tuned for specific tasks and then you just think like there's no need you don't need all of that power for most of the things that, that you're going to do um, and then that all of that also leans leads to the idea that because they're going to be smaller models they can be run on device as well so I don't know. There's there's a lot of this also probably depends on like how much Apple opens up like developers to interface with their chips and run models on their machine through apps and things like that, which is if I, I, I I'll be very curious what they end up doing. 
But anyway, this is just like, I guess, a brain dump of all my thoughts are around it. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess like a few reactions. One is to your point on like, we have Ferraris, we sometimes need a Honda. I think today it's maybe harder to see because the models, like even before, even for like will hallucinate, it's not perfect. So maybe it doesn't feel like a Ferrari, but like when we have GPT-5 and then the base model that everyone will be able to have on their device for free will be four and it just like keeps escalating, then it will just get so good that like even having GPT-6 once like we're on GPT-9 and being able to run that locally will be pretty good for most use cases or for a lot of use cases. That's interesting. Um, I, I have two, my brain's going in two divergent directions. One is on OpenAI and one's on Apple. Starting on OpenAI, are you less bullish on OpenAI? I, no, I'm still really bullish on OpenAI. I think that, I think they're still, like, making the best models. I don't know. O overall, I'm still very bullish on OpenAI. Yeah. Can you square that circle for me of, like, how are you... uh? less bullish on people needing the top models, but more bullish on OpenAI. I think that... I don't disagree with you, by the way. I, I'm, no, just, I'm I, curious to hear your opinion on this. I think that I'm I'm not necessarily... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's, it's, it is possible, if I think about it, that, like, maybe in the long run, this, this would be something that would be... Uh, detrimental to open ai if 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 like the majority of people do not need to use the the latest model um or if the open source models from meta are are able to wipe out all the value from from open ai so yeah i i i guess maybe i am a little bit bearish on, on open ai medium to long term if if this like this is just a hypothesis that like these if this it, like if this happens, then that would happen at the same time. So yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm formulating my thoughts in real time here, but this is what we yeah. would have done on the couch. Yeah. This is the point of the podcast: is formulate thoughts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you have think? original thoughts? And, um, and what what do you think about the idea that Meta could is open sourcing models, and tomorrow could open source an even better model that is even closer to what OpenAI has, even if OpenAI is still six months ahead you know yeah yeah i have a lot of thoughts on this i and i don't know exactly where i stand on like am i more bullish or less bullish on open ai medium to long term i think that the if i were to steel man the arguments i think it's probably that um there is some benefit to being in first place both from a brand perspective and from a like um I guess from the brand side, like if developers choose to build on top of OpenAI because they're continually, they think that they'll continually have the best models. And if OpenAI mm -hmm. continues like building the best models, even if they're only three to six months ahead of other companies, that if they keep doing that, then that might be enough of an advantage where like everyone builds on OpenAI and no one uses Llama uh, unless you just want to build like a pretty rudimentary free app. But so I think that there is an argument where you could say, no, I, I think that OpenAI is going to be fine, even if a lot of these models become open source and free and get pretty close to being as good as OpenAI. If OpenAI is still even like the best and they continue being the best, even for three to six month stretches, and they maintain the brand power of being the best, then I could see them being totally fine long term. I think that you're, yeah. you're totally right, though, which is like... Um, 
I think that Meta has a huge incentive to keep open sourcing these models and to keep improving them. And the best way that I've heard it explained to me is that uh, like Meta makes money by having people advertise on Meta. In order to advertise, it's they like want a feed where a bunch of people post content. How do you make it really easy to post content? You have these generative AI models that help build pictures and text and things to say and things to share. And they just make it like the model is in service of advertising by um, just helping people, helping proliferate the amount of content that's on Meta and mm-hmm. potentially even Instagram at some point. And so like, I think there is a huge incentive for Meta to keep open sourcing these models um, and to keep working on them and keep making them really good. And so, yeah, that could like totally eat into open AI also, open AI also if uh, the models keep improving and they keep closing the gap to open AI. And then also, like, I think what we've seen so far is that there's kind of an asymptote that people reach, a lot of these large language models reach, um, based on publicly available data. And so then it'll start to get to a point where it's like, okay, well, what privately held repositories of data do we have access to that the other companies building large language models will not have access to? And so, um, like, for Meta, they have a ton of content internally uh, and multimodal content, like video, image, uh, text, where I think that that'll be really key for them. Google actually might be like the sleeping giant here because YouTube might be the biggest repository of data yeah. that any company can have access to. Uh, Reddit, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to build their own large language model, but if they sold, that could be the big reason that they sell is because they have a huge, like a huge proprietary data source. Um, well, they're about to go public. They're about to go public. True. Um, X, like they do have access to proprietary data too. So that might be like the next inflection point that we see is are companies able to diverge at some point from the pack by having some proprietary access to data. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know about that either, but I I still am pretty bullish on OpenAI just because I'm generally bullish on whoever is like the biggest and best company in any domain. And I think that there's, especially in in like the world of large language models, there's a ton of value to being the biggest and best. And I think that'll keep accruing back to OpenAI. But... I don't know. They've got it. This will be a really interesting year because I think the competition will just keep stiffening. Do you know anything about Sam Altman raising $7 trillion? <laughs> no, except for I've seen the memes. That's it. Like, is it actually he's really trying to raise $7 trillion? I don't know enough. I'd be speaking out of my ass if I actually did. Or is this just a PR this? thing by him where he's like, I'm just going to tell them it's $7 trillion and then everyone's going to write about it? <laughs> I don't know. $7 trillion is crazy. <laughs> we're we're all getting worked up about billion dollar valuations and that's like apple amazon and microsoft combined yeah it is wild to me how i don't when was the first trillion dollar company when did when did was it apple who passed the trillion first i think it was microsoft it might have been saudi aramco it might have, it, i think it was one of these oil companies what was that like Maybe seven years ago, something like that. Something within the last 10 years, probably. Yeah, it's just wild that, like, there was never a trillion dollar company, and now there's multiple, like, a handful, like, 10 of them or so that are over a trillion, and some are over two two and three. It's kind of wild. It's so crazy. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, the Dutch East India Company was worth 8.2 trillion in today's dollars. Uh, a lot of these like global trade companies and then okay. uh, oil companies like PetroChina, Saudi Aramco, Standard Oil. That's like 100 years ago, though. Um, 
So yeah, I think there were others that reached it first, but you're totally right. I mean, that was why, like, I remember when we were in college, I bought Apple stock our first year in college. And um, at the time, I think it, I don't even know what the valuation was. Maybe it was like a hundred billion dollars. Let's call it. Yeah. And I think it, I think it 5X to $500 billion. And I, I just kind of threw up my hands like, it can't get bigger. This is as big as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> and I sold my stock in, I don't even know what year. I'd have to go look it up. And uh, it's pretty wild that these value, like the $1 trillion valuation mark was eclipsed. And then it's like, wow. But they're like, no one's going to do that. Or no one's going to reach two. Like no one reached one. And then Apple hit two. And then they hit three. And then it, it's just wild. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. They could swing like $100 billion swings in a single day. And they were worth $100 billion 10 years ago. Yeah. It's it's truly amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty There's, wild. I'm sure there'll be a $10 trillion company in the next 10 yeah. years or so. Okay. I, w- I want to bring this back though, because this is now full circle. And I, I said, I want to talk about Apple. You talked about Apple. We just talked about Apple's valuation. Is okay. Apple Is Apple our next... Seth trade, Matt trade, Jay trade. This is not investment advice. And I'll make the case <laughs> to you and I'm curious what you think. So you're totally right. I think that they're poised to announce something really big in the world of AI. They've clearly been doing stuff. Um, so that's step one is like even on the just the software side, they've been up to something. Step two is you're right, the chips. So I think that there's two potential benefits. One is um, they have access to the supply of a constrained resource. But two, like, I wonder if they're unlocking a new revenue source for them where instead of me just buying the base MacBook Pro whenever I upgrade my computer, am I going to all of a sudden care about having even more power in my machine? And will that be another way to get $1,000, an extra $1,000 out of people who are already paying like $3,000 for a machine? Because all of a sudden it's going to be really important for me to be able to have extra capacity on my computer to be able to run even more advanced models. Um... And so that's another thought that I've been having. It's like, are we going to get a double benefit from Apple this year? It's not priced into their stock. Where on the one hand, you get like an investment in AI software. And on the other hand, you get uh, basically like more money from the same people who are already buying your product because people are not just going to care about the base models. They're going to care about upgrading too. And that won't just be for hobbyists. That'll be for everybody. What do you think? Well... I'm ahead of you because a couple weeks ago I did buy some Apple stock. So I, let's go. Apple is my like safe, my like safe stock bet, you know, uh, <laughs> which, you know, as safe as it can be when it's one of the largest companies in the world. Yeah. But I mean, the thing that I think is feels riskier to me about buying Apple is just that it is already such obviously a, almost a $3 trillion company and it needs to get to like a $5 trillion company to like be, yeah, uh, meaningful. But no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think all of those uh, are are completely accurate. I also think that they are. People can say what what they want to say about the Vision Pro, but I think that they are positioned as the leader, and they're going to they're going to win this ecosystem. They're going to win like the productivity VR like like industry. Meta might end up being like the social vr or the the video game vr that type of thing but i think apple is going to win the vr that every knowledge worker feels like they need to have and i think that that's going to end up being a much bigger market and industry and it's just going to be another huge pillar of their of their company because there's also all the app store of that and there's all the revenue that comes along with that and uh 
yeah. So I think I think there's that whole pillar as well. What makes you so confident? I don't disagree with you. I'm just curious to hear your take. What makes you so confident that they're going to win the, like them and not Oculus or Meta, I guess, are going to win that market? Um, I think it's the same reason that people buy iPhones and not Androids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious because I haven't used it for any productivity reasons, but I have heard from people who have used it that it's not as good for productivity as you would think. And it might take them a little bit. And part of the reason is the like it's just kind of hard to navigate multiple screens because you have to be able to look at something to be able to interact with it and so like if i have mm -hmm. like screens all over the place it's hard to navigate them just because of the way that eye tracking and, and everything is set mm. up um i don't know i don't have an opinion because i haven't used it but i, I generally just believe like apple well, tends to make the best in class version of these products and i i trust apple's ability to figure out how to get it good enough for productivity uh, faster than I, I think that Meta will go up market and figure out how to get people to want to buy Oculus instead of an Apple Vision Pro or an Apple Vision Correct. when they come out with a non-pro version. Correct. And and yeah, I, I, I think those are valid points. I think that thinking about it when you're buying the stock, it's like this is an option on them being able to figure that out, right? And yeah. I think if there is an industry here where everyone has one for productivity, then they're... The, I think they're by far the best position to to win that. The other area with this, and I'm curious what you think about this, but I wonder why, or like, is the future of 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 like, like, is there a product? And maybe this is different from like a Vision Pro, or maybe the Vision Pro ends up being this in 15 years when it's much much smaller. But is the is there a product where it's just like very light, a very light visor. And then you have monitor. So what if it's like a monitor replacement? You still have your laptop, you still have like, but it's very comfortable. And it's just having like monitors up, up in front of you. And isn't that kind of the use case? Like you can still bring around your laptop or maybe at that point you have like your phone or you just have a keyboard. You just have like a, like basically an Apple magic keyboard, which is like a wireless keyboard. You throw that in your bag. You have like these this like little visor, which is small, and and maybe that's all you need, right? So like the Vision Pro, and maybe that's what like the Apple Vision ends up being, right? Where the Pro is like has the you know is really immersive and and has obviously all of the amazing features that make it um, really cool. But uh, maybe the Vision is just more of a productivity thing where it just makes it um, you have you know spatial computing, but in a much smaller package. Yeah, I think there's been a, there have been a lot of conversations, even going back to our first reaction video to the Vision Pro when it was announced at the keynote last summer. Of is this going to be the iPad killer or the Mac killer? And mm -hmm. I think there's a world where it's like the monitor killer, and maybe right. that's like what it is. And uh, <laughs> it's like a monitor and like a TV killer. And maybe I guess in that vein, it's like the iPad killer because I, I think from what I've seen from my demo, like it seems mm -hmm. really good for entertainment. I think if I had it today, I'd probably use it primarily for entertainment more than I would for any productivity use case. Even though I went into it thinking it would be nice to have it to get rid of my monitor. Like, I do not think I'm going to own a monitor in five years, totally to your point. I think that I will have some headset, whether it's Apple's or someone else's, probably Apple's because I'm an Apple fanboy, that uh, where I'll have, totally to your point, like a keyboard or a laptop in my headset. And then I'm just like, I'm jamming. And whether I'm yeah. in a coffee shop or whether I'm in my apartment or wh wherever I am. I just have the best possible setup better than any monitor could provide me because I have 
screens in configurable different sizes. I have many uh, infinite screens to be able to just like bop around with. I think that's probably inevitable that that'll be the case, yeah. and that yeah. that's how most people will uh, will do work. And frankly, I think that's great. And then honestly, to your point, like if that's the case, then all of a sudden it's going to be cheaper or better or will unlock more productivity for employees for companies just pay for these things. And so I could totally see it just like in the same way that you get a laptop when you join a tech startup. Great. Like here's your laptop and your Apple vision and this is your work setup. And instead of just giving you a thousand dollar work stipend and a laptop, here's your like Apple vision and your computer and boom, like wherever you are, we expect maximum productivity because it doesn't matter if you're on the train, it doesn't matter if you're on a plane, it doesn't matter if you're in your apartment, you've got the whole setup that you mm-hmm. need. Yeah, it's interesting how I, I like that comparison. It's like we thought it was going to maybe like cannibalize the Mac or the iPad. In reality, it might just be the monitor, which is also an interesting idea because that's a category where Apple is not like dominating the market. Like they have a monitor, but uh, it's, it's yeah. very it's it's an it it would be interesting if that's what was the part of the desk that they ended up taking over. Yeah. I also, I, it sparked another thought in me, which we don't have to go to right now, but uh, living rooms are basically oriented around TV. And I wonder if there's a world in which if people don't own TVs because they have these monitors, mm. like what, how, what will be the second order impact to people's homes? And that to me was interesting. Like, I guess you'll just have like a, a nice room where it's set up where of course you like could all sit and face in the same direction and watch the same thing. But uh, what if it were instead of like, you know, the couches and the chairs being angled toward a TV, it was like, angled toward itself or what like i don't know it just opens up more possibilities but this could be a way i guess i don't know it could have been the like way a that people oriented their living the way that people oriented their living rooms like before tvs essentially yeah totally exactly this is maybe just like a weird hundred year period in history where <laughs> we, <laughs> we oriented our couches towards like a screen and then we, yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know. It, like it made me, it just made me think like, I wonder if my living room would be totally different if I didn't have a TV in there. It probably would. Yeah. Seems possible. Seems definitely possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to hit on the vision pro? I like that. This was not just like a, a recap of takes. It was more like implications. This is, these were original thoughts to us. I think it was a good combo. Yeah, I think so too. I think it was cool. Yeah uh anything else on your list what else do you want to hit that's that's pretty much it uh from my side right now cool i i have a couple of notes written down but i, th- I think that yeah, they're probably me... better to save there were things like okay uh and, and a lot of them were straight thoughts i was like oh it's so hard to find a job and maybe like career therapy is a thing or a mm. job board for founding team jobs could be a thing but i think that a lot of the stuff i'll have more opinions on in a week i think we should save my my thoughts there Mm, okay cool 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 uh you want to hit some carve outs sure so i've been doing quite a bit of reading since uh the new year especially in oh hit me january but uh so i I told you about the walter isaacson books that i had read yeah um i told you i read what's that you're more brave than i was i couldn't get through ben franklin So I got the Albert Einstein one off the the library and I'm like, I think I have like 10 days left to read it if I'm going to read it. And if I'm going to do that, I can just start like tonight and start. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do. It's like going into a college class, reading one of those books. 
Um, yeah, I also I'll tell Max this... so you can make it through his great grandfather's book. <laughs> uh, I also read this book called Old Man's War, which is like this science fiction book. Very easy to read. Mm. Uh, that was fun. Oh, I read Recursion by Blake Crouch. Have you read that? Have you read Recursion? I sure have. Yeah. Wait, Very did, we, good. did we talk about Recursion? Because I think I recommended Dark Matter at some point, And then I told you about Recursion. You've definitely Dark recommended Matter, Dark it... Matter. Yeah. Dark Matter is his best book, I think, by far. Okay. okay. What do you think I'm of Recursion? I, I liked it a lot. It was it was like a real thriller. I, you didn't want to put it down. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. His books are generally like that. I also started, there's... um. Okay, don't... I, I didn't like Wayward Pines. Was He has like a series. I didn't think that one was very mm-hmm. good. I would skip that. Uh, Upgrade was another one that I started by him. That was mm-hmm. good to start, but I I have not actually continued with that one. I just read the sample. Got it. Got it. Cool. What about you? What are your carve-outs? Okay, my carve-outs. I've got a few for you because we got a... I'm digging back even to the holiday period because we haven't done carve-outs in two months. One, okay. the best movie I've seen in probably the last year is The Holdovers. This is the Paul Giamatti movie that came out. Mm. At, uh, oh, I heard about around that. Thanksgiving. Yeah. So good. It was an incredible movie. Just like so well acted. He was phenomenal. The movie itself was great. Loved it. Uh, you recommended one of my carve outs, which I'll give you credit for. And I'm just going to be the one talking about it, which is Love on the Spectrum. It was maybe the most oh, wholesome yeah. content that I've ever watched in my entire life. It was just so good. I loved it. Every second so of it good. I loved. Um, and then I've got one book rack for you, which is Sutton by J.R. Moringer, who's my favorite author. And uh, so the same guy who wrote The Tender Bar, Open, Shoe Dog. He wrote a book about this guy named Willie Sutton, who's one of the most famous bank robbers of all time. And it's a novel, but it's written. He it, It's like not quite a biography, but it's kind of like written from the perspective of Willie Sutton, reflecting on his life and going through some of his life stories. And mm-hmm. it was just so well written and so good. I bought it from my dad and he like cruised through it. He loved it. Um and I'll tell you a funny joke, which is that my my grandpa, when I was growing up, he would always tell me this joke where uh, he would always say, Matthew, you, did you know that I got a music degree? And I'd say, no, grandpa, where'd you go? And he said, I went to Sing Sing. And when I was eight, I had no idea what Sing Sing was. And I kept just laughing at the joke until I was probably like 15, just like way too old to not have asked what the answer, what, like what Sing Sing was. But I just kept laughing along. And then I finally found out that it was like a high, uh, like... I don't know. It's just like a big penitentiary, but uh, <laughs> I always laughed at the joke and I never knew what it was for a solid like eight years. That's funny. Uh, and I guess the punchline is I was thinking about my grandpa a lot during this book because he, Willie's son goes to Sing Sing. So uh, ah, really cool. good book. Highly recommend that one. Awesome. I will add that to my list for sure. As you should. Cool. All right. Good episode. Back on the grind. Back on that grind. All right, do we want to do a topic for next week, or what do you want to do for next week? Yeah, let's figure out a topic. Let's do a topic. Let's do a topic. Um, let's talk about uh, helium. We'll just do like a live feed of how helium's doing <laughs> for an hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, by then, probably not well. So, mm, I'm trying to think of other. Well, there's some good ones that we could do. We'll do one <laughs> offline. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll figure this one out. We'll get our we'll get our agents to speak to each other about what the topic should be. <laughs> and my lawyers will be in touch with your yours. My my lawyers will be in touch. My I'll get a rabbit, and then I'll get you a rabbit, and then our rabbits will interact with each other. There we go. 
<laughs> yeah, man. All right, cool. cool. Good episode today. Yeah, for sure. Bye.